are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday, recap and a Pelicans loss, but I think we're all going to be pretty excited about this one, losing to the Clippers 111-106, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, career high in points, leading scorer in a game with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, 37 points on the night. We'll start off the show breaking down his big night. What did we see out of him? What was good? Was there bad? A little bit, not as much. We're not going to harp on that too much. We're in a good mood right now. And what should his role be going forward? Then we're going to get into the rest of this game because there was some good from the Pelicans in here in a game that they were down 60% of their starters. What was that? What do they still need to improve on? But what are our takeaways from the loss to the Los Angeles Clippers? And then we're going to wrap up with probably the biggest news around the NBA. We touched on some of this yesterday about James Harden wanting out of Houston, basically making it so that they had to trade him. Well, guess what? They did just a matter of hours later, essentially to the Brooklyn Nets. What's it mean for Houston? How does that impact New Orleans? Because this actually has longer reaching implications, I think, than maybe we were expecting. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's lead with the biggest story, which was Nikhil Alexander-Walker putting up 37 points in tonight's game. This was an incredible performance for him. Final line of the night, 37 points, eight rebounds, five made threes on eight three-point attempts, 15 of 23 from the field overall. They shot 65.2% and then doing 37 points on 23 shots in 33 minutes is absolutely incredible. He was really good on a night that the Pelicans didn't have Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, and Eric Bledsoe. You you can claim at least one of those guys. It's a negative to have out. You needed other players to step up, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker did. And this is something that I'm going to echo in the second segment of the show. I'm not even upset about this loss for New Orleans. It was expected. I didn't give them much of a chance, right? In yesterday's preview on this one, missing that many important guys and most importantly, missing Zion. Uh, The fact that other guys stepped up and played well, it's not that they lost. It's more about how they played in the loss and that you are happy with and none more so than Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He had it going from everywhere. The assist numbers weren't good, but I'm going to explain why that was in a minute. If you look at his shot chart, it's great. He was aggressive, trying to get downhill and score at the rim, and really gave the defense of the Los Angeles Clippers fits at times. And this is a game that, based on his play, New Orleans maybe could have won. I think the final score is actually closer than this game really was, as the Clippers just kind of knew it was in the coffin there and didn't need to play that hard right in the final four minutes or so, which let New Orleans kind of get back in it to some degree. But really, this one was more or less out of reach and the uh, the Clippers cruised, really starting in the second quarter to the victory. But Nikhil was all over the place, actually having to make them work for this. It wasn't just an easy night for the Clippers, which it should have been because of what Nikhil Alexander-Walker was doing it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shots at the rim, basically, of all of the attempts that he took. You need a guy like that. He took 23 shots, eight were at the rim. 
Eight of them were from three-point. He basically took four in the mid-range shots that are outside of the paint. You, you'd like him to have none of those, but he made two of, uh, sorry, five, and he made two of the five. It's not terrible. I'll give him that. He found a way to score at all three levels, essentially, in this one, and completely was the go-to guy for New Orleans, and the only reason, mainly, that this game was even remotely close. The most important thing for him in this game, he had a usage rate of 35%. That is insanely high for a player um, to have in just a game in general, unless you're, you're James Harden, which maybe we'll touch on in the third. So, I mean, let me pull up the usage rates for all of the Pelicans here, because now I'm kind of curious who leads them in that. You have Zion Williamson with a 29% usage rate. Brandon Ingram with 29% usage rate too. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 35%. That means he basically used up 35% of the Pelicans' possessions. It's a lot. It's like two players worth, right? In theory. That's what he was doing. And he was efficient with it. That's the big thing. One number I haven't mentioned yet. One turnover on the night. 23 points, all of those touches, all of those aggressive driving and passes, and one turnover. Game changer for New Orleans when you have a guard that was willing to be aggressive and doesn't just turn the ball over on that. Two things you're not getting a ton of out of the backcourt. I think there is somewhat of a correlation with how well they did tonight, and that's what you want to see from this team. So, Good on Nikhil. Good on New Orleans for realizing he should be starting and Stan Van Gundy realizing he should be starting and playing him those extended minutes. And look, don't expect him to be this big of a game changer on every single night, right? Like he's not going to. And his night would look even better if the Pelicans had just made shots. He really created a lot of good three-point looks for the team that the team just missed. You saw Josh Hart miss a couple of them. I think you saw J.J. Redick miss one that he created by driving and attacking and then kicking it out to the dudes in the corners, and they just missed on good, good looks. The offense looked pretty good. They just didn't make shots until the very end, and if they were consistent all game, this this outcome might have been very, very different. So he was creating. He was scoring. Don't, he's not going to do that all game. But now I think he's definitely multiple games. He's going to be a rotation player and he's earned that right. And I think one of the biggest things with him in this game was he knew he was starting. He knew he was in line for a big role in this in this contest. So he was going to go out and play like, okay, I can make one mistake or a mistake here and there. I'm not going to get pulled. I'm not just going to be on the bench. And I don't know, it takes a weight off of a guy's shoulders when you have some of that freedom and some of that trust or knowledge that your place is secure for a little bit and you can just go out and do your thing. And you saw Nikhil Alexander-Walker's thing in this game, and that's one of the big reasons why I think he was so successful. Don't expect this every night, but he should be getting 20 minutes per game right now. I don't think you can really say otherwise with that. I don't know. We'll see you on Friday. So coming up, we are going to talk more about this game. Again, New Orleans actually played well, even if the end result was a loss. How'd they look on defense? Because I saw some good things, but also some bad things. How did some of the other players look in this one too? And then we're going to touch on James Harden in the final segment of today's show, because that trade definitely just shook up the league and the Pelicans division. 
But before we get to all of that, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans brought to you by Headspace. Even in the new year, it's hard to start a new routine. But if you're one of the 34% of Americans who made a New Year's resolution to be less stressed, Headspace is here to help. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And Headspace is the is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help make you feel better you're overwhelmed they have a three minute sos meditation for you you're having trouble falling asleep headspace has a wind down session their members swear by and for parents headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress improve sleep boost focus and increase your overall sense of well-being and seriously does anyone not want to just feel better you deserve it It's something that I've really tried to focus on. Let some of the stress go. When you're in kind of a chaotic moment, throw on one of those emergency meditations that they have can really help you kind of center yourself, calm down, and then address the task at hand. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. That's more threes than the Clippers made uh, in this game last night. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash lockedonNBA. That's headspace.com slash lockedonNBA for a free one-month trial with access, access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash lockedonNBA today. Today's episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things, food, rent, mortgage, whatever it is, anything else, right? It's money in your pocket if you take care of some of this stuff yourself. Well, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but you've got to check out rockauto.com because you know what? They have the same prices for everyone and they're always reliably low. Take it from me because I literally have a bunch of car parts right now all throughout my house, everything from a radiator to hoses to brake pads, and they've all come from rockauto.com, and that is because rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, so go check them out at rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Easiest online catalog I found. You click on the make, the model, the year of your car, and they're going to show you everything they have in stock that fits, and then they're going to let you choose the specific part you want, which means you can select the prices you want. So you can go for the high-end part, the budget part, or the mid-tier part, whatever works for you. They have it, and they're going to make it cheaper than anywhere else. My girlfriend should be furious with me for having all of these car parts around the house, except she's not, because I saved a bunch of money by doing this. It should have been three or $400 more for everything that I have here. So do not spend up to twice as much for the same part. So go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com 2020 is mercifully over and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. And if you want those wins... You've got to listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get podcasts. So still looking at the Pelicans 111-106 loss to the Los Angeles Clippers. 
should be upset about this, but the Pelicans were without 60% of their starting lineup. No Zion, no Bledsoe, no Lonzo. And I'm feeling kind of good about how they played. They showed you something in this game, which is what you wanted to see. It's not that they lost. It's about how they played in the loss that should make you feel kind of happy and excited. And I kind of saw this on Twitter. We talked about Nikhil and his 37-point performance and how efficient it was and how non-turnovery it was uh, and that he should get more of a role going forward. But you saw some good play for other guys, too, in this one. I do want to briefly look at Jackson Hayes because I liked what we saw out of him in 19 minutes of action Four points, 10 rebounds, including five offensive boards. He did that in the first half. He was good. Like, I didn't hate the minutes he played out there, and I've hated the minutes that he's played out there so far this year. Just kind of did what he needed to do, which was make some ridiculous acrobatic plays here and there, and don't screw up too much. And he didn't screw up too much. And that's actually a credit to him and the coaching staff to cut down on some of those just young player mistakes. Another guy who looked pretty good in this one was Kyra Lewis Jr., the Pelicans rookie, 13th overall pick. He finished with 10 points on the night, two rebounds. He was three of six uh, from the field, two of three from deep, and two of two from the line. He didn't really do much in terms of assists, but no Pelicans really did because they just could not make shots. He gave you a lot of what you want to see kind of out of a playmaker. He's still not quite that traditional, traditional point guard and maybe more of a slasher, but he leans more towards the one position. He was aggressive and he drove to the rim uh, and you can really see his speed and that burst that he has. It's real and it is a skill that will suit him well at the NBA level and it is an NBA level skill. He gets the ball and he decides he's going to attack. He's going and it's tough to keep up with him. He should eventually easily be able to be one of the fastest players in the NBA. So he drive an attack and you saw him get the ball and make the right play. And then the Pelicans just missed their shot. I'm going to be curious to look at this game tomorrow when some of the tracking stats update. You don't really get them the night, so I don't see them right now because I'd be willing to bet the Pelicans are going to have had a lot of potential assists that you know, kind of mask the fact that they were actually moving the ball well and you don't really see it because the assist numbers don't look good. I thought he looked good in this. I don't know if you're going to play him 20 minutes per night, but he feels like he should have some role. Now, all of a sudden, the backcourt's starting to get a little bit crowded, right? And it's not every game where you're going to miss your two starting guards plus another guy so you can run with a ton more guard minutes. I mean, they started Josh Hart basically at small forward and not in the backcourt. It makes it easier for these guys to kind of feel comfortable in their role. I just talked about it with Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And if you make him comfortable knowing that he won't just get pulled and never play again, maybe you get something good out of him because it kind of frees him up. You need to find the right balance with Kyra Lewis Jr. in this. Defensively, he was good one-on-one. But when he had to do other things, he was definitely a negative defensively. You actually saw a lot of defensive awareness issues for New Orleans. The Clippers shoot well from deep. I told you they were the number one three-point shooting team in the league. They shot close to 50%, 48.6%, 49 from deep on the night. A lot of that is because New Orleans just straight up lost where guys were on the perimeter and weren't really able to close out and contest it or run them off the three-point line at all. This really reared its head in the fourth quarter where they reeled off a number of threes or had every sort of answer for everything New Orleans was trying to do in this one by just nailing a three because the Pelicans didn't know where to be on the defensive side of the ball. It's not even a knock on on Kyra, right? This is, he's played 13 NBA minutes going into tonight's game. 
He hasn't even played a full game's worth of minutes in his whole career. It's okay. He shouldn't be good. He should be lost out there. If he wasn't, I'd be very impressed in a positive way, but this is to be expected. It's not a knock on him. In the minutes that he played, and given that he had only played 13 NBA minutes going into the game tonight, I thought he was good. Didn't run the offense quite as much, and it was more an individual performance, but that's fine. He shouldn't be running an offense just yet, but he's very clearly an NBA player and has an NBA skill set. And as he improves, his game's only going to get better. And you saw it. He he should have made two more shots in this one. He had two runners that just didn't quite go, but he should eventually be able to have that in his game. And if, if and when he does, he'll be a three-level scorer too. And that's just going to open him up more. So I thought he was really good in this one. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of like the big takeaways from this one. I thought new Orleans did well, um, not being sloppy with the ball. They finished with just nine total turnovers on the night. And guess what? The Clippers only had four fast break points because of it. You take care of the ball. You don't give up easy points on the other end for your opponent and you can at least keep it close. And the Pelicans did. The Clippers usually average over 14, 15, uh, points per game in the fast break. For tonight, last night, that's really good. That's exactly what you want to see out of this team. And if they're doing that, if they're valuing the basketball, they can be in it. At that point, it just becomes about improving on the defensive side of the ball. And you should start to see these wins pile up at least a little bit more. You're going toe-to-toe with one of the more impressive teams in the league, down three starters, And you keep it fairly close and you come back. Yes, the Clippers were up 18, but credit New Orleans in the third quarter where they played really good defense, made enough shots, and then fought the whole game. You could have mailed this one in. And this is what I mean about saying that these guys, it's not that they lost, but it's how they played in the loss. And they played well. They showed a lot of heart out there on the court. And that's a team that you should have been proud of. Plus enough excitement from Nikhil and seeing Kyra Lewis Jr. get some extended run. It's kind of a fun night, and I don't know. I'm feeling good about that one. So the Pelicans were eight and a half point underdogs in last night's game to the Clippers. Obviously, they covered that, losing by six. But you felt good about the team, and maybe some people had an inkling of this. You can kind of see it from some people out there on Twitter, and you want to get in on the action. There's only one place that has you covered and one place I trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. It's already like you've won a bet. They're just giving you free money. They've got the NFL playoffs coming up, all of the lines in the NBA, and all of the prop bets you could imagine. You would have made some money if you picked the over on points Nikhil Alexander-Walker was going to score. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Make these games that you're watching anyway a little bit more interesting. And don't forget, use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider and former front office executive John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today, wherever you get your podcasts. So I've gone a little bit long because the game last night I thought was pretty interesting, but I do want to touch on the James Harden trade. It was inevitable, as I had said, and as you all guessed it, having lived through the Anthony Davis situation, that he was going to get moved. 
sooner probably rather than later because at a certain point this whole situation just sucks and everyone wants to move on and it's a divorce where it's like screw it we're not going to divvy up who gets what furniture and all of that you're just going to throw the furniture out and move on with your lives that happened james harden has now been traded to the brooklyn nets we can kind of go into uh, we don't need to break down the exact trade basically the uh houston rockets are getting a crap ton of first round picks for un, um, unprotected first round picks and four pick swaps. So basically it's the equivalent of like eight picks potentially. Those pick swaps probably aren't going to come into play because the Brooklyn Nets are going to be really, really good. Probably for a while. And this likely keeps Kevin Durant on another contract with them. But the, the trade expanded. It involved the Cavaliers and the Indiana Pacers. Basically the Rockets receive all of those first round picks Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, um, Kirks, and that's that's really it. In terms of players, it's not quite a haul. I, I'm big a, a big fan of Victor Oladipo. Karis LeVert was traded basically to the Rockets and then basically rerouted to the Indiana Pacers. That's how they ended up with Victor Oladipo. So it's Victor Oladipo and a bunch of first-round picks, which for James Harden, sure. Here's the interesting thing potentially about what Houston is doing, though. I think they're more angling to go through a rebuild than they are to trying to stay competitive right now because there's already rumors out there that Victor Oladipo doesn't want to play for Houston and so maybe they move him before the trade deadline for additional picks. Maybe to Miami where it seems like he would fit pretty well. If they trade Victor Oladipo, one, they might not, you know, Victor Oladipo is going to want a big contract in free agency, I think, but... They're clearly not trying to be as competitive as they possibly could be right now. You'd keep Victor Oladipo, I think. Or you would have taken the other offer, which was Ben Simmons was on the table from Philadelphia. Yes, on the table. You could figure out how to make things work. Tyrese Maxey or no Tyrese Maxey. First round picks or, or one or two less. You could have made it work and done a trade centered around Ben Simmons. who, By the way, is under contract for five years. Full team control. And he's very, very good. So the fact that he was on the table and Houston chose not to take it, they're not trying to make the playoffs this year. They're probably trying to go through a rebuild. And the best way to do it is have a war chest of draft picks. And I would not be shocked if they start selling off a number of other guys, maybe PJ Tucker too. I don't think this Houston team is trying to be competitive. I think they are trying to stealth tank or not be good enough to get into the playoffs and stay in the lottery for a little bit. Otherwise, I think you trade for Ben Simmons. I don't know how you're going to get a better offer or a better player in a deal than him. So this is good for New Orleans. Takes a team out of the division, right? Takes a team out of the Western Conference playoff race in the West is still stacked and makes their path to the playoffs, whether that's the play-in or not the play-in, just a little bit easier. And I can't complain about that one bit. So I like what Houston is doing. I don't know if they got like the greatest return on this. We know those picks aren't going to be that great. And if you had, I, you know, potentially Tyrese Maxey and a guy like Ben Simmons on the table, maybe Maxey wasn't on the table, but you probably could have gotten him on the table. I'd be willing to bet. I don't know. It seems kind of surprising to me that that's not the route they went, but maybe this has to do with ownership, really wanting to get under the luxury tax line and saving some money. Um, maybe it's about them not wanting to really win. Either way means they're not going to be good. And this just makes things a little bit easier for New Orleans when they play the Houston Rockets and when it comes to the Western Conference playoff standing. So you know what? 
great job, Houston. Thank you for not having to play Ben Simmons multiple times per year. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. Go and kill Alexander Walker. Maybe we'll see him starting on Friday. We'll talk about that more a little bit tomorrow. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.